Hello and welcome to Giving Ventures, a podcast to help you grow your giving and change the world for the better. Each episode, we share innovative charitable efforts leveraging private philanthropy to solve public problems. I'm your host, Peter Lipset, Vice President at Donors Trust. This show is a product of Donors Trust, the oldest and largest donor advised fund focused on helping conservative and libertarian donors of all capacities simplify, protect, and grow their giving. My colleagues and I talk with a lot of groups doing great work. This show lets us share a bit of what we learn with you so you can discover new projects for your own philanthropy. Today, we'll feature the second of three interviews on our theme of Inspiring Liberty on Campus. As I mentioned last week in part one of this series, I'm running in a bit of an experiment where rather than feature all of the guests around a single topic on one show, I'm spacing them out into their own individual episodes. What do you think of that format? As always, I'd welcome your feedback on this or anything else as we continually try to improve the show. So let's continue our exploration of this theme and the good work going on to engage students for the principles of freedom and of liberty at the college level by learning about our second group, Turning Point USA. We have all seen the images of conservative speakers or professors getting shouted down and shunned on campuses. Progressive activists have no trouble at all making noise to silence opposing views. Now, for the past 10 years, one of the key groups pushing back on that campus cancel culture has been Turning Point USA. Rather than kowtow to the left-wing mob, TPUSA inspires conservatives on campuses nationwide to be proud of free markets and American values and to make sure their voices are heard and not drowned out. Turning Point was founded and is still led by Charlie Kirk, who joins me today. Charlie, good to see you. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for the partnership. We love it. Thank you. Charlie, tell me about what it is that prompted you to start TPUSA in the first place? I mean, what was the problem you were looking to solve? Not that there was any shortage of them. Yeah, um, I, I've had an unusual uh, journey. I uh, was thought I was going to go to West Point, uh, didn't get in, and sent, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a gap year uh, to kind of figure myself out, turn into a gap decade, um, which has kind of been going about trying to solve you know, the issue that young people are increasingly um, not being taught American values or about the Constitution. I saw kind of the beginning stages of what would now be called wokeism in my local community in high school, an all out assault on private property rights and freedom of speech and free markets. Um, you can call those things conservative or whatever that means, right? Nowadays, just, you know, common sense and middle of the road ideas. Um, and I thought that young people, there was there was this there was this idea when I first started Turning Point that all of the liberty loving young people are already properly serviced, and I said, well, maybe there could be we could do more, right? Maybe we could persuade people, and and we were right in the sense that the problem was much worse than we ever imagined. That the colleges were more radical than ever, and these ideas were so widespread. And so, basically, our mission statement is we want young people to love America again, and we want you know, young people to embrace liberty and self-government and understand the structure of the Constitution and what it means for them. So it's an educational mission at its core. Uh, We have chapters all across the country. um, And we believe that, you know, through our efforts and so many other groups that I know you're highlighting on this, um, there's going to be this coalition that will make this generation uh, embrace liberty and freedom uh, more so than not. Look, it's a battle to fight. We know the odds against us, but um, it's it's been a great journey so far in the first decade. You know, it occurred to me while you were talking, I have never actually understood why it was called Turning Point USA. What's the origin of the name? 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, we we want to turn America away from statist, collectivist, progressive ideology and towards kind of self-government, liberty, um, constitutional values. It's in our logo. It's kind of trying to turn. And so we believe that we are in the fourth turning, um, which is a book written um, back in the 1990s, if I'm not right. mistaken, um, all kind of about how generations change over and over. And we're kind of in this turning. Um, but we fully admit at Turning Point USA that we're up against kind of a historical um, or the historical odds are against us because typically in a fourth turning, you go towards collectivism and statism and it just becomes this inevitable decline. But we we think that we're, we think we can participate in something different. So that's kind of the origin of the name. Um, and uh, we think that the future of Western civilization will be decided in this decade. Now, I think it's you, you kind of alluded to this, that it's fair that TPUSA has really been fighting wokeism before wokeism was even what we called it. Are yes. you seeing a change at all in the academy or at least seeing more students willing to stand up for the things that, that you're advocating? The academy, not so much. Uh, that has been a, a huge frustration of mine. However, with the people, absolutely. More and more students are rejecting these insane ideas. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, these are idea pathogens that corrode the bedrock of civil society. And they're deeply unpopular. You see that with the popularity of Joe Rogan or Bill Maher that are speaking out against this. And so I believe that this generation is more embracing of, want to embrace the ideas of freedom of speech, dialogue, respect for other people's ideas than it is ever let on. The problem is that I think the generation culturally is held hostage by these incredibly like hyper-aggressive radicals that will destroy your life if you step out of line or say something insensitive or even appreciative of America. But I think there is a growing consensus of young people that believe America is not a totally terrible country, that they believe that, hey, I kind of want to hear a joke every once in a while and not be worried I have to lose an internship if I say something that could be deemed insensitive. But I'll be very honest, the academy is worse than ever. They're only going further in that direction. Absent some great schools like Hillsdale and a few others, the, the academy, I think, is a largely lost institution. And you've got a book about that. I want to come back to that in just a minute. Um, but first, you know, we've talked about kind of the big picture message. Let's talk about the day-to-day, -day, the nitty-gritty. You mentioned you're organized by chapters. You also have these activism hub. What are the chapters doing in the course of a year? Yeah, I mean, everything from, of course, building fraternity and partnership and relationships to hosting events on campus, to helping support um, activities and just doing the grassroots type of work. We call it the clipboard and tennis shoes type of work of getting out on the campus quad, getting out and having those kind of conversations, you know, the face-to-face -face type contact. We believe conversations lead to conversions. Um, and then also empowering student leaders to be in charge of something, to actually take leadership at a younger age. So we have high school chapters and college chapters, which uh, we actually, high school has its own department now at Turning Point USA. Uh, we have 40 full-time people that just focus on high school chapters. Wow. High school is much more focused on relationships, honestly. It's more just about empowering students, making the ideas available. College is a little bit more uh, ideological warfare, right? It's very aggressive, you know, in your face. And I'm not describing us, I'm describing them. They, they, I mean, we're just there talking about liberty and freedom and we get these you know lunatics that come up to us but it really is kind of the, the mission is to make it acceptable to love the country 
to be acceptable to be either a libertarian or a conservative or whatever, embrace liberty and freedom. And, you know, we do that because we believe community can help actually foster courage, right? That if you're not the only person, you're going to be more likely to speak out, more likely to be engaged and involved in these sort of activities. Community can foster courage. I like that a lot. All right. So we alluded to the book. I mean, you guys have all forms of media that you're doing. You go to your website, you've got podcasts and videos, short form, long form, written stuff. But now you've got this book uh, called The College Scam and kind of does what TPUSA has been doing for a decade, calling out these inadequacies and problems of the modern university systems. Tell us about that. But, you know, big picture, what do you hope people will do after they read the book and hear this message. Yeah, the, the the great irony of the book is that all proceeds go to Turning Point USA. So you can learn about how terrible colleges are to support our kids that are currently in college. So uh, it's kind of a fun deal. Look, I, I didn't go to college. Um, I, I say in the book that might be the right decision for you. It might not be the right decision for you. Well, the book goes to seek out a couple of things. I think most applicable to this conversation is that it tries to do a fair and honest assessment of this massive multi-trillion institution that gets a free pass in upper middle class society. Um, There is some critiques of the wokeism here and there and the intolerance of freedom of speech. I argue that top to bottom, it's a broken cartel that from how they scam kids from the student loan side of it, from the government taxpayer subsidy of it to um, the awful ideas that are infecting every major portion of American life. And, you know, you just I go through some numbers in the book that 40 percent of kids that enroll in college drop out 40 percent that out of the kids that do actually end up graduating another 41 percent. If they find a job, it requires that it does not require a college degree. So you ask, why did you go through that entire process? Exactly. There is a massive deficit in our country of plumbers, electricians, HVAC, people that can work with their hands. And so, look, I, I make the argument in the book that. Of course, higher education is important for a decent and functioning civil society. However, we have way too many kids going into higher education. I make the argument it should be a highly specialized group. Now, I do say, though, if a higher education was about a pursuit of the classics, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Aquinas, Augustine, Bacon, the reflection of the great thinkers, then I would have a different view. If you're really trying to study the human soul and beauty and truth and goodness, None of that's happening at most colleges. It's the opposite. It's the deconstructionist mindset of those things. And so I I don't believe in specialized education just for the sake of it, for the entire comprehensive kind of society. I think it's necessary to, you know, be able to get a skill, but I think it's the only way that we could possibly find a middle ground because this idea of the liberal arts or humanities, it is dead. It, it, It is not what people think it is. It's not about freedom of speech. It's not about appreciation of the beauty that came before you. It's Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault and Derek Bell and post-structuralism that really, I think, creates a generation of very unhappy activists that participate in a lot of the, um, let's just say, um, destruction that we see around us today. And Foucault isn't going to open a restaurant or fix my leaky toilet either. No, not at all. But they, they will tell you that there is no goodness, beauty, or truth. After that, they really don't have much to offer. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Well, it's great that the proceeds are going back to TPUSA and advancing that and and hope it does get good pickup and, and widely read. I mean, it's a, it is a big problem. It, and It's a right. provocative argument, we admit it, um, but I defend it, I think, rather rigorously. It has 35 pages of footnotes. I have an open invite. Anyone can come on my show and tell me why they think college is a wonderful institution. And look, we, we invite disagreement, but what we have found is even people that disagree, they disagree on a spectrum. 
they'll they'll start with look i think college is awful it's just not as bad as you think it is great okay so we're we're agreeing in the right direction right and and it can be wonderful without being wonderful for everybody so you've been at this thing with tpusa for a decade now you've built up this huge team huge following great presence across the country what do you think the culture on campus will be for conservatives 10 years from now are you optimistic we can continue to see some gains among the students do you think they can push for more viewpoint diversity what do you anticipate yeah, I, I I am optimistic. I'm optimistic for a couple of reasons. Um, it is unsustainable what these people are doing. It just is. A- absent a federal, which might happen, who knows, federal bailouts of these institutions, they will break. Enrollment is down. College donors are no longer wanting to subsidize this nonsense. And so I think there is going to have to be a course correction. At all colleges, no. I mean, I'm sure Wellesley and Williams and Stanford are going to just you know, stay the course. But generally, I think in the middle part of the country, especially Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, you're going to start to see state legislatures, especially say, guys, you have got to cut it out, not just from the viewpoint diversity standpoint, which is important, but also why did we get rid of Western civilization? Why did we do that? Like actually installing hopefully other types of, you know, career tracks, not even just career tracks, but just majors and professors I think because I believe the force, the laws of nature and nature's God, as Thomas Jefferson would have, are going to treat college very harshly over the next decade. It is an unsustainable business model. And you're going to see more and more parents, specifically Gen X parents, say, nope, not going to do it. I'll go to community college, technical school. And so I think you're going to have to see a course correction because of that. Are the chapters, the turning point chapters that are on campuses? advocating for this on the campus? Are they advocating for curriculum improvements with the student councils and with the presidents of colleges? Oh, yes. And this has been our greatest failure. I mean, it, it's just, it just is dead on arrival, right? I mean, we did a whole thing. I can't, it was at Stanford where they had the whole Western civilization disputes over the last 15 or 20 years. But there was another school out West where they were trying to get rid of a, a great books course and they were successful. And we tried our best to, you know, fight for it. Even though what's amazing is that Every time these classes are offered, it's the most popular classes, right? It's the people want to take them. And yet they feel they, they, they're told like, well, you, know, you can't study Shakespeare because he was a racist colonial. It's like just garbage. It's balderdash, right? And so, yeah, we're advocating for that for sure. I mean, I tell people all the time that if your college has a DEI statement and does not have a Western civilization course, you should probably think twice before sending your kid there, right? Those are kind of the two pieces of criteria. It doesn't mean that it's all terrible, but- I mean, you just start with something as fundamental as why did we stop teaching our young people about the very civilization that they get to potentially prosper in? And I never get a good answer to that. Oh, I'm glad Turning Point is advocating for that stuff on on campuses. That's really important and and often overlooked. I mean, that's yes. part of the process. It's a microcosm of the larger political life. So I'm that's glad right. you've got the book out, The College Scam. Glad you have Turning Point USA out there across the country. Charlie Kirk, really appreciate you being with Thank us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for the partnership. Thank you. Charlie Kirk is one of the hardest working folks on the right. We have a good number of clients who are particularly excited about Turning Point's energetic, engaging approach. Turning Point also has the unfortunate distinction of being one of the organizations that some large commercial donor-advised fund providers, such as Fidelity Charitable, have declined to give to. I suppose that is their right as a donor-advised fund provider, 
But remember, it is also your right as a donor to work with a provider who shares your values and doesn't work against them. It's why last year, a third of the new donor-advised fund accounts at Donors Trust actually came from folks moving their funds from places like Fidelity or some community foundations over to us. And we are happy to facilitate contributions to Turning Point and to the many organizations promoting limited government and personal responsibility and free enterprise. You can learn more about us at DonorsTrust.org or email me at tellmemore at DonorsTrust.org. Would love to hear from you. Well, that's it for this week. Join us next week for our third and final episode in this series on inspiring liberty on campus. In the meantime, keep being a giver and let's talk more soon.